0: Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me today is Matt Patrick and Carrie Rodder. Uh, Carrie is owner of Comfort Keepers here in the Memphis area and has been a client of ours for, for a little bit of time, for quite some time, actually. And so um, Carrie, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, our goal in today's conversation is to share with our audience uh, some different stories about different small business owners that are out there, things that, that, uh, that you're struggling with, things that are doing well. How you got to this point, and so thank you for joining us uh, on today's episode. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Mike and, and Matt, for having me. It's my honor to be here, and I love working with you guys.
0: Absolutely, oh, thank you. that's always good to hear. That that always is going to set set the stage for. Cool. A, <laughs> a, we'll make sure we get that for, uh, for marketing purposes. Yeah, yeah.
1: very very good.
0: <laughs> so, Carrie, um, you know, you've been operating here in Memphis for for quite some time. Tell me a little bit about how you got to the point you're at today. What made you decide that you wanted to go on your own and, and, and start a business? What did that look like for you over the years?
1: Well, it's a, to me, it's a funny story. My wife, if she were joining us right now, would, would be embarrassed, but I'll tell a story anyway. <laughs> I had a bizarre career. I was a pre-med major in college, and I started working for Maybelline Cosmetics, worked, moved to sales administration, worked there for almost 10 years, got downsized. Then I worked for a privately held office furniture company. And while I was there, I was charged with developing and implementing a quality improvement process. So I started reading lots of business books. I had no business background whatsoever, but I, I'd i worked, at least in terms of education, but I started reading business books and I, I adopted the principles that I still live by. And one of those is that we are accountable to those whom we serve, which means customers, which means that I don't view bosses, my superiors, my supervisors as my as people I'm accountable to, I always focus outwardly. So I'm, yeah. it gets a little bit interesting in that I, I develop a talent for getting fired because I don't <laughs> I don't care what bosses tell me. I'm not interested in that. So I got I lost that job, and then I started working in the temporary staffing industry for three and a half years, and got fired from that. And at that point, I was I had I had a choice to make. I, I could continue to look for work where I thought my employment potential was probably small. Were limited because my background was cosmetics, office furniture and staffing, mm-hmm. pre-med background. So I had an opportunity to- That's a uh, very diverse looking, background. It is, so I started looking at business opportunities and I came across this one, but I, but I also thought about the fact that I wanted to do something that my kids would be proud of. Wendy's parents and mine were aging at the time and because I had worked in temporary staffing, I came across this category, non medical care, caregiver services, which is really the same model. So I decided to jump into this. It's been an adventure. So come this February, we will have been in this business 20 years. Wow.
2: That's awesome.
0: That's amazing. That is- I've gotten that's a awful. lot grayer.
1: I've gotten a lot grayer, but that's how I got in the business. I, I, I knew a lot about business from having worked at, at high levels, but it was an opportunity for me to prove that my business principles work in practice, and they do. So we, I, I'm a strong believer in being accountable to customers, try to treat everybody with respect. We hold people accountable. To me, it's people, processes, and accountability.
0: So I, I like that we're starting with the philosophy here is uh, I don't listen to bosses. I'm going to adopt that. I'm going to put that on my door. Bosses mean nothing. Mike, <laughs> Mike I, I promise you I already do that. <laughs> That's awesome! Awesome. So, yeah. uh, so it really—it sounds like it was—you uh, were just looking to for a business opportunity, regardless of. It wasn't that you were dead set on the front end that we're going to get into the non-medical care uh, piece of things. That that was just the opportunity that came about. How did you get connected with the Comfort Keepers group? Well, I, I started
1: doing some research on the internet, and I was not looking for a franchise per se. I was looking for ideas. And I came across this category that I was not familiar with. And I was looking at another business opportunity, which I won't bore you with. But I asked Wendy what she thought. Wendy's my wife. And she said, well, if you get in the caregiving category, I will help you at some point. But if you get in the other category, I have no interest in helping you at all. And So at that point, when we decided to take the risk as it were, of starting your own business. Wendy was a breadwinner. And so Wendy did not work in the business for five years. So it was up to me to get running, but I kept thinking, because Wendy's very talented, as you know, she's a lot nicer than I am. And she's- Yeah,
2: she is a ton nicer she, than you. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. She's
1: very well organized, very bright, highly confident. And so I thought, mm, at some point she'll want to join us. So. That's how we got involved with this. When he was interested, I knew the mechanics of it from temporary staffing. And I knew that my kids would be proud of what we were doing because it made we can make a huge difference in the lives, not only of older adults, but their family members
0: as well. It's
2: absolutely that's absolutely great. A, that's
0: great. That's a, that's a good story. Oh, when you first started and, and you were going through this, that very, that, I'll say the first five years, that startup phase where you were trying to get <laughs> the ground running, what were some of the, the, the lowlights and highlights that you experienced that you okay. made, really made you want to keep going?
1: Uh, that's a great question. So because we had, we, we went into some debt to do this, so we started, we began the business in our former house. Uh-huh. So we took an unused living room and met at my office. That became a challenge. I'll, I'll give you just one example
2: of how, of how that works. And little, you had little kids at that point too, right? We had little, little,
1: kids. Kids, were- we have, we had little kids, cats then and still cats. Ooh. But. In the business we're in, you can never escape anything. You're on call 24 hours a day. So I started out as a cult of one. Yeah. So I ended up making doing a lot of networking, meeting people, hiring, running as caregivers, hiring caregivers, signing up clients, doing the scheduling. And I was wired. Literally, I was working from about 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., seven days a week. Well, the funny part, so I got a call at 12.30 one night. Hear the, the office phone ringing from our from our living room. <laughs> I went downstairs. Comfort, comfort keepers, kind of help you. And this guy just said, "I understand you do lighthouse keeping. I just heard your radio ad. You do lighthouse keeping. You clean lighthouses." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sir. Uh, yes, sir. I said thank you so much for your call. And I, I hung up and cursed a little bit and went back. <laughs> but at, at a certain point, we hired somebody to help me in the office, and my wife said, "It's time for you to leave now. Mm-hmm. Go get, get
2: out." So that I love that story. I, I, I knew it. Lighthouse keeping. <laughs> lighthouse All keeping All hard work. I, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of lighthouses in the Memphis area, so it's a no, tough market not, to get not in here.
1: Yeah. yeah, just shows you that was that would have been a stupid business move. We're, we're hiring lighthouses in Memphis. <laughs> I mean. What
0: was your first hire?
1: My first hire, we hired. We ran an ad for caregivers. We had something like 200 applicants. I hired five ladies. I say ladies because 98% of our our caregivers today are, are, are women. Yeah. Hired five ladies. So it, it's an interesting challenge because then you have to balance caregiver inventory with current needs and anticipated needs of so hired five caregivers. Unfortunately, we were able to get a client or two. Then we slowly added caregivers and staff as our business built. But it started out very small and there's You have to work a tightrope when it comes to unemployment compensation, unemployment insurance, and also workers' comp. So it it was a challenge managing this by myself. It was was fortunate that I was able to find somebody who could help me a lot in the office.
2: As you got out of the, as you started hiring caregivers, when did how many caregivers did you have to have before it made sense for you to have some support team help?
0: That's
1: a good question. I actually hired somebody to work part time in the office when we were four months into the business. I'm gonna guess we probably got 25 caregivers by then. Not a lot, maybe, we, we, we probably had more than that. I, let's just say we had 25, somewhere between 25 and 40 caregivers. But the simple challenge of hire, of running ads, interviewing people. Scheduling
2: interviews, all that stuff, yeah. Everything
1: was too much, so I, I would, if I were starting again, I would never have done it as a cult of one. I would have hired somebody to be admitted to work the office and I would have gone out and done sales.
0: Yeah. yeah at what point did you realize hey you know what this this may actually work out um we're getting kind of good at this i think i might have something here was that way early on that is
1: a very good question <laughs> the answer is that i was as challenging as this was i was absolutely convinced it's going to work because of my experience in temporary staffing, I knew what we would need to distinguish our business from competition. I never gave up my conviction that the business would succeed. But it was about three, it was in our third year where I thought, we can actually make a living out of this, where at some point, my wife can quit her job and work with us. But I never had any doubts that that it would work. But it was a slow and arduous, challenging, thrilling, and exhaustive period. Uh, Yeah, I
2: always, I I had the same story. You know, the years one through three were basically working 24 hours a day around the clock for me. And then year three, I went, you know, I think I have a business here. (laughs) So it took me a while to figure that out. But it was like, you know, at the beginning, it was, okay, I got to pay the mortgage. I was still primary breadwinner in my world. So it was uh, it was definitely it was one of those things. And I think that's a common story that most of the people are like, okay, I've got to grind this thing. That's what that's hard for you know people to understand that I've worked in some business before. It never turns off, particularly in the beginning.
0: Yeah. And
2: even I, I mean, it doesn't turn off now a lot of times. So No,
1: that is, that is so true. One of the things that I made a commitment to myself on was that I was not going to let anybody outwork me. So I had limited competition back then. And I had the energy, the drive the commitment, I was not going to be outward by anybody. That that was really a difference maker. The other thing is that I'm convinced that what really sells, whether it's a service or product or anything else, is one has to have conviction, genuine conviction in what you stand for and what your company stands for will sell. You can't fake that. People will that will resonate with people whether it's verbalized or not. People sense that you are that you are real, that you have conviction, that you will honor
0: your word. Yep, absolutely.
2: That's so true.
0: So one um, of the things that we talk a lot here, that's kind of in that same vein, is um, if you ever read the book uh, or heard the book, start start with why by Simon Sinek, uh, really talks about the why piece being your conviction. Um, it's why we exist, why we have a company, that type of stuff. When you think about what, what you started and where you're at today. Talk a little bit about that conviction piece of, of why you're actually operating here in the Memphis area, a regional area um, today. What, what is it that keeps you driving, um, driven and motivated?
1: What keeps me driving is that everything is that, this business is a reflection of who Wendy and I are and we are, <laughs> more so for Wendy than me, we have lots of friends who engage our services. We hate the prospect of failing anybody. As you know, reputation is not what you think of yourself. It's what other people think of you. Reputation takes a long time to establish. It It can be tarnished fairly quickly if you're not intent on doing your best every day. So that is what keeps us going is that we have to produce because people depend on us. We're talking about the most vulnerable people in our society, older adults who need assistance to remain at home, plus our family members who are stressed out to the nth degree, because if we're not helping them or somebody else like us helping them, they are doing this themselves and they can't,
2: they can't do it.
0: Yeah.
2: Tough. Yep. So how many, so how long was it before Wendy joined you? She joined us in year five.
1: And now the truth is, Wendy does much, much more in this business than I, than I do. <laughs> I'm looking at—you already know this about me—but I'm a numbers guy. I'm looking at numbers. No way! I,
2: I, I, don't, I cannot believe you said that.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> numbers and margins, and she's yeah. Wendy gets really involved with the details, which has a which can be plus and 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 a minus at the same time, but. She joined us in year five, and she started making a difference pretty quickly. She- I, don't know if,
2: I don't know if you remember. I, I think I asked you guys about how it was to work together when, when I was thinking about bringing Mandy in. And Mandy's been with me now 10 years. I think I reached out to you guys. I reached out to a couple of people that I knew that had husbands and wives working together. How has that been for you? it is in some ways good it is it is
1: it's also extremely challenging as you know yes i when do you're, when you work with your spouse you can never escape through your business and so it's really hard especially for type a person personalities like me and i'm suspect you're the same way it's really hard to separate yourself from your business and so that that is a challenge i i, I like i've told my kids that i never had a crossword with Wendy at all until we had kids, but I never had really crosswords till we, till we went in the business together and worked together. So, <laughs> fortunately, we survived that. So, I think it's a real accomplishment that we've been in business almost 20 years and we're still married. We just celebrated our 27th anniversary.
2: That's she awesome, still bro. puts up
1: with me. But it, so, they're plus and minus.
2: I've been there. I've I asked a question, How many times, laying in bed at night, right before you're about to sleep, does she ask you a question about work for the next day? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you my wife does it about six days a week, maybe that, seven.
1: <laughs> now that is interesting. So when it's yeah. more about personal stuff, when I'm exhausted from work, why, was I was like, "Really, want to talk about this now?" But no, we have it's. We are always talking about work. We are too you know, at, at break. Whether we're drinking coffee in the morning. Issues that arise, phone calls that we get in the middle of the night. It's, and you just can't escape it, can you?
2: No, it never turns off. And it's like, I'll be like, I be, like, I can be middle of a, of a week, watching the kids playing a volleyball game. And she goes, Hey, you have a, I have a question. I forgot to ask you about this today. Or I'm like, Now? I'm never going to remember what you asked me now. But we talk about and, I, and I'm the same way. I do the same thing to her. So it's somewhat different. But it is fun. I think that's an interesting part. It never turns off. Never.
0: What was in this background before joining full time? I'm sorry, what, what Mike? What was her, uh, what was Wendy's background before she joined Fulton? Wendy, this, Wendy was a banker when she
1: did a business degree from Rhodes College or has a business degree from Rhodes College. She was in banking. Then she, she was living in Charleston, South Carolina. First Tennessee called her, recruited her to Memphis. She ultimately left First Tennessee and started working for Alma Mater Rhodes College. So most of Wendy's career has been in development, raising, raising money for Rhodes University. Yeah. She was doing that, and then she left and became the first director of the Campbell Foundation, which is attached to Campbell Clinic. So her background is banking, finance, development. So she has been our functioning chief financial officer. Oh, and she's got lots of advice for me, and if I'm wise, <laughs> I heed her advice. Otherwise, I'll hear about it not just during work,
2: but after work. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you there's a lot of, in her background, it's like she's raising money because that's what those, you know, those places are all about raising money. Yes, indeed. She, so
1: to me, that has got to be the hardest sales job there is because it takes years to develop relationships, to get some, to, so to get significant gifts. And so she's great with people. I, I have bragged on her before. She has a gift that I do not have with my wife is in conversation with anybody, she shuts out the rest of the world. And this could be more of a, of a female, and I say this, this is not sexist, because I'm mm. saying women do this better than men, I think, but she is fully engaged with her interlocutor, whoever she's having a discussion with. She is fully engaged and type A people like me are thinking about three different things at once. Yeah.
0: I will definitely echo that. Um, every time I've ever talked to Wendy, there is a sense of warmth and compassion and understanding, and uh, you do it, you feel like you're the only person that's on her radar 100 percent of the time. She she is very delightful to work with. Uh, thank you. Not so much of me, right, Mike?
2: Right. We don't we don't do anything about you, Carrie, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're and yang, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, no, so it's over great. over the years of uh, of I mean, what you said, 20 years now. 20 years. Uh, what do you where do you where do you think this is gonna head? What's your what's your plans for short term uh, future? Uh, the, the
1: the question is ultimately how much longer <laughs> do we have the energy to do this? Fortunately, we have we promoted a sales manager to be general manager a year and a half ago, and he's done a great job. So the business is in much better much better position today than it was when Winnie and I were running it exclusively. So we will continue running this business, but we want to remove ourselves from the day-to-day and make sure that we are delivering the same product, the same service that is part of our mission, it's part of who we are. As long as we're doing that, we're good. At some point though, we probably will look at retirement and figure out, well, what and what will our next venture be? And because I can be a political animal, maybe I'll be, maybe I want to help the conservative political
2: party. Yeah, no, no way. Yeah. Imagine um, that. Yeah. I mean, you, your son, your son, and uh, your, your children are all, wow. the age now where they're all working out, right? Jacob is, he is starting, Jacob, he's doing school.
1: Jacob is, has got one more semester at the University of Richmond, and he has got, he's already accepted a job at KPM in, in Washington yep. again mm-hmm. in the fall. He will be an auditor. He'll be in their audit department auditing the
2: federal government. Imagine that. He, sound, he chose poorly in school, like us. I think he's an accounting major, so he chose poorly. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And our and our daughter is
1: Rachel. Rachel is twenty four. She's following in her mother's footsteps. She currently works for Vanderbilt in their development department. <laughs> she's not set foot on campus yet because she moved, She left the art world in New York and moved to Nashville at the beginning of this year. She's not yet set foot on campus due to the plague. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's interesting. So, in, in your world, I don't want to get too far into COVID stuff because okay, you, know, you can. But um, that's a you guys have been directly impacted by that a good bit. Um, you deal with elderly um, non medical care, uh, and so what over the past and we're sitting in December now. Um, over the past nine months or so, what has been the roller coaster ride for your company?
1: To say that it's been challenging and continues to be is an understatement. First of all, so many people are wary of getting the plague. Now, the, most, the, the people most vulnerable in our society, or older adults anyway, they're especially vulnerable to getting COVID. Fortunately, because most are in their homes and have, they have limited visitors and because our caregivers are only serving one or two clients, the incidence of actual COVID exposure is small, but, but it has impacted our business a lot in facilities, senior care communities where you have more people involved. That's been an issue. That maybe the biggest challenge, and it's not maybe the biggest challenge besides getting people trained and having everybody equipped with PPE is hiring. Hiring this year has been more difficult than ever. And this problem has been tremendously exacerbated by the federal government with their infinite stupidity and offering a $600, over, a $600 weekly unemployment benefit in addition to the regular pay. And if you've not figured out why it's $600, allow me to share this with you since I'm a math person. Yeah the ideal minimum wage $15 40 hours a week $600 so the, yep. there's a, there's political motive here so hiring right getting enough caregivers is a huge problem nationwide companies like ours agencies like ours are having a difficult time staffing we have we have prided ourselves every year until this year in almost never being unable to fill a shift yeah. now there's shifts that we can't fill not many, but we hate to tell customers we can't fill ships, but we have people who call out, it's really difficult to, to fill every ship. So turnover in this industry has
2: always been challenging. It's more so now than ever. Yeah. Has it caused you guys to have to, I mean, obviously and that's the case, you obviously get forced into paying people a premium or, or a little bit and or charging more money uh, in order to uh, cover the, I mean, I'm sure that just goes both up, right? So. I have to pay people more to show up to work, and I have to charge more because of it. So I mean, it's just a byproduct, right? That,
1: that is true. Tip, we will. We had our first price increase last year for the first time in a couple of years, maybe even three years, which is not the best business move. But when we put out a price increase letter, then we said, "There's a new normal." And That new normal is we're ha- we're going to have to pay a higher wage. We're going to pay more in overtime costs. And we have to charge more. So that's, So while this year has been quite successful, I, I typically measure our business in unit sales or hours served versus dollars. Yeah, yeah. Coming from a mass market background, if you're looking at units and dollars. Units have been down by about 2% this year. Dollars went up a little bit because we had to raise wages. We had to raise wages and therefore prices. That's going to continue to rise, regardless of what happens with Georgia January the 5th. I expect feds will raise minimum wage. If the Democrats hold, get control of the Senate, they're going to raise it to $15 an hour. It'll be over several years. We'll have to raise prices accordingly. Yeah. This will be true nationwide. Even if the the Republicans hold the Senate, I expect there will be a minimum wage increase. It's $7.25, and it's been that way for how many years? 10, Uh, 15? uh, Anyway, it's going to go up, and, and prices will go up also. One other thing about this is that as minimum wage goes up, it'll be more of a challenge just to pay people the minimum wage. So if it's $15, you can't pay people $15. You're going to pay them more than that. So if you look at our average wage pay rate right now, which is twenty two fifty, if you're paying $15 an hour, that wage, I mean, that, the labor, I mean, the charge will have to go up proportionally. Or right. close to it.
0: Yep. yep. That title is going to rise on the ships. It has to go up. There's no chance, I right know. Yes. It's gonna be interesting to see how all that stuff shakes out over the next month and then years uh, once different policymakers get put into different seats and they start to do their thing. It's uh, it's yeah. gonna be an interesting. Yeah. Line. So January, right
1: January the fifth is critically important to every business owner in yes. this country.
0: Yeah,
1: and because I'm admittedly a political animal. I'm putting that there right now.
0: It's, it's,
1: it's critically important.
0: <laughs> it is absolutely. Well, Carrie, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. It's, oh, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to work with you over the past. Uh, I've been here for six years or so. Um, and so uh, it's really been fun. We just
2: celebrated 11 years together. It was October of yeah. 2009.
1: Congratulations. And I appreciate you putting up with me. Again, Wendy's a lot nicer than I, but we love yeah. working with... Patrick Accounting with Works, you guys are great to work with. You've made our lives a lot easier. We're grateful for that. I'm also, I am also appreciate Estes Winnie, you're having us on today. She would be here, except she's dealing with critical business issues right now, mm. your stuff and COVID stuff. Imagine that. So it's yeah. my pleasure to
2: represent us. I really appreciate the opportunity. It allowed us to brag on her for a long time, which was great. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, for all of our listeners out there, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, we'd love for you to, to subscribe to our podcast, Um, on the click a little subscribe button that way you don't ever miss an episode and if you have any questions or want to continue our conversation please feel free to reach out you can email us call us um, comment on any of the social media stuff we would be glad to uh to respond so thanks everybody and have a great day
1: thank you so much bye